Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Have you ever had to prep a sermon and you just looked at your bookshelf and you didn't have enough of what you needed? Well, you don't have to do that. Go to Logos.com. Logos Bible Software has everything that you need at pretty much at your fingertips because you're literally typing stuff in and with the click of a mouse button, you can open the entire C.H. Spurgeon Library. You can look up original languages, word studies. I mean, this thing is like the Lollapalooza of church planning information. You can have a little mini concert in your sermon prep right there. All the greats kind of gathered around and picking their brains and putting them into your sermon. And you want to check out LogosBibleSoftware.com. They'll actually make you look smarter than you actually are. Hey, Church Planner, welcome back to Hardcore Church Planning. Today, my guest is, I, I gotta say, I'm super excited to have my guest. He is an author of multiple books, um, including Viral Churches and also God Dreams with Will Mancini. Uh, Warren Bird is the Director of Research for Leadership Network. And Warren, it's an honor to have you on here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Peyton. And in chatting with you and hearing about your two books so far, uh, I'm excited to learn more about your world as well. Awesome. Well, hey, you've got a really helpful uh, couple of bits of research that you've done at Leadership Network, and that's what we want to talk to you about today. Can you tell us, first off, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, kind of your your journey to Christ, your foray into the world of church planning, and uh, then we'll catch up from there. Great. I came to Christ as a kid, but I didn't obey Jesus at all. So I did it again in my teenage years. I actually got rebaptized and said, Lord, I am, you are number one in my life. And it's been a much better journey <laughs> since that point. I thought that God wanted me to, uh, to plant a church and I did that, but then I found that I have none of the gifts of the church planter. So eventually God, in ways only God can do, led me to uh, to support church planters and to help others uh, by putting tools in their hands. And this study that we're going to talk about was where almost 2,000 church planters and campus pastors both ask, answered the same questions, and then we compared it against our Leadership Network's huge database of existing churches to say, okay, what makes each group distinct? What do they do well? Where is the fruit? How does it work best for them? And we just, we had a good time learning a lot. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that God raises people up like yourself, like, like Epaphras, Priscilla, and Aquila, that they don't necessarily, they're not like the church planters, but they're huge supports. And wherever church planting's found, they're there. Uh, kind of supplying and, and encouraging. So thanks for that ministry. Well, let's talk about these um, downloadable. You've got latest multi-site trends, how a new generation of pastors is shifting to strategies that re reproduce and multiply. Tell us a little bit about this study. 
Okay, so you just read the subtitle, or the title and the subtitle of something anyone can download for free, free at leadnet.org slash portable. And the portable uh, piece is because portable church industries heard about what we were doing and they said, wow, we want to be part of this. We'll sponsor it. And because so many church planters and new church campuses use portable stuff, yep. uh, that was a win all over. So the gist here is is we the the core question that we discovered the most on is we said we asked them as they look forward um, where is the role of multiplication and and just to context it I'll I'll use terms exponential has popularized the vast majority of churches in the United States more than eighty percent are either declining uh, or plateaued and and some. Okay, now leaving that 80%, some are growing, and that, that tends to be church plants. But the mission of Jesus will not be completed if all we do is grow, if all of us grew. The mission of Jesus won't even be be uh, accomplished if we reproduce, meaning that I'm a church that plants other churches or I'm a church that plants other campuses, but only if it multiplies, meaning that I plant and then you, I plant multiple, you plant multiple, the next one, kind of the second Timothy 2, 2, train others who train others who train others who train others. Mm. And, and it's kind of the apples in the seed. You know, how many seeds are in this apple? Well, I can count them, but how many apples are in the seed Mm. that you can't count? So what we noticed, the biggest finding of all from this that you get from the report is that the younger the pastor, the more likely that pastor is to have a vision not of planting a church, but a movement, something mm. that multiplies, something that 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 is one planting another, planting another, and then that happening. So so even you see in some churches mission statements, you know, we we're we're here in blank city to start a whole movement of new churches or campuses Mm. uh, to reach this city for Christ. And that is a dramatic shift from churches. And, and the fascinating thing is the younger the pastor, the more who, and those are the pastors who, who you would think are least likely to be into multiplication because they're thinking survival. I I just got to get this first one out birthed. you know, let's not talk about others till we plant one successfully. But that's not how they're thinking. No, and I would even say that from my own experience, when I plant intentionally telling the congregation or the core team that that's what we're going to do, that most of us aren't going to be here, the the core team itself takes on such a different dynamic. There's an energy and I would say really a, a supernatural charge in that group that's not there if you're just existing to plant one. I mean, mm-hmm. it is... You can feel God getting behind that in a big way when you're doing that. That's amazing. Why, why do you yes, think let, it is? Let, let me, let me yeah. just give you a number before we do sure. carry on. 83% of surveyed pastors under age 40 have a future vision to plant or launch a new campus or church. So that's why I said overwhelming majority. 83% under 40. Wow. 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 That's that's amazing. So now I love statistics because I'm the guy who just kind of guesses at stuff. So it's really good to have this stuff laid down. Um, let me just, you're the director of research. So for guys who don't know the importance of doing this kind of research, what's the reason for doing this kind of stuff? 
it gives you credibility. You get pushback by saying, why do we need to start another church? Why, you know, why not just, you know, and, and you can say, no, the mission of Jesus isn't going to be accomplished uh, if all we do is is even strengthen the existing churches. Um, there's got to be. And, and so we, whether it's the growth of the population and not keeping up with it or here, here's one of the things we we learn. You want to reach millennials? Start something new. So uh, in the first report, again, they're both available at leadnet.org slash portable. Uh, we gave a little infographic on five compelling new reasons to start a new church or campus. Um, and the first reason is more millennials. You'll reach the next generation with, of young adults and families eager to grow with you. The majority of attendees in churches or multi-site campuses started in the last five years are 35 age, 35 years of age or younger. So, mm. so in 62% of the survey churches, they said more than half their people were under age 35. So the challenge of every church is how do I reach the next generation? Well, I've got the statistics. Now, Peyton, back to your question. What, why do we need statistics? These statistics validate um that here's a pathway that works better mm. so what are some of the findings what are some of the pathways that you're finding that are from the the data that you're collecting that say hey if you're going to church plant these are the things that you need to be thinking well let me just give you another plus for the church planting we ask pastors uh how likely in the last month or what, what percent of your congregation would you say were actively inviting other people to become followers of Jesus Christ? Great question. It's something every church wants. It's all, all throughout the Bible. And, and then we, we ranked those churches by how old they were or campuses. Hmm. And in the first church, churches or campuses that are five years old or younger, are 52% more likely to invite friends and family to consider faith in Jesus Christ than at any time in the life of the church. Wow. So so you're wondering, well, should we start a new thing, you know, should we not? The answer is yes, even if you even if it it's a grand experiment where you say, well, we learned a lot from that. Now next time we do it, you know, we'll do it better. But but you want to reach millennials? You want to get people uh, at at a point where they're excited about sharing their faith with others, start a new church or campus. Yeah, that's so true. You know, we would we would see people, and I was the evangelist for for a number of years at a at a big legacy church, and we saw so many more conversions by planting than we. I mean, like literally, like on on the tail of each other. And this is in Europe. Like Europe's Europe's no easy church plant. But we would plant churches there, and we would see people get saved every single week, which, you know, uh, I don't know what the dynamic is. I don't what, – what do you think is the dynamic in church planting that causes that? In other words, why? Yeah. Because there is an excitement that there, – first, there's an expectation right. that, you know, if, if, if we don't share our faith – I mean, isn't that there's a focus on mission, first of all, that, that when you start, you have clarity of mission like you never have. And, and as the years go by, you can have mission drift and instill 
institutionalization and everything that kind of blurs why we're here. You have a new wave of new believers. And one new believer beget, you know, that early in our walk with Christ, we we seem to be more excited about sharing our faith with yes. others. So and have more connections with our non-Christian friends and relatives uh to do so. You have you have for better or worse, somewhat of a survival question. You know, it, if we're doing this in order to reach our community, therefore right. we, 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 we're all involved. And here's another statistic that kind of helps give a reason why lay involvement. You talked about new believers. We found that, that 31% of people, 31% more people volunteer regularly in the first five years of a new church or campus wow. than at later years of involvement. And, you know, that first struck me when I did our multi-site research, which those of you that are multi-site and want even more than this leadnet.org slash portable stuff, go to leadnet.org slash multi-site, look up the word scorecard. And in it, we say, okay, when you added a new campus, did your lay involvement go down, stay the same, or go up? And it was something like 92% or 89%. I mean, it was just astronomically high that, that those filling out the survey said it went up. Mm. So when you start something new, see, see, you've got, you've got people in places already and, and others aren't likely to bump them and say, well, you know, you shouldn't be on the worship team. You know, I should do that or you shouldn't be an usher. I should do that, but we're happy to let you do it. But when you start something new, and you've already got kind of the self-volunteered group. Now it's time to say, you know, you really could do that. You really could. And, and, and there's a recruitment where people rise to a new challenge. Yeah. And they say, okay, now if I'm rising to the new challenge, I'm even more vested in saying, well, then if I'm going to lead this small group, I better, I better start inviting people to join the small group mm. or whatever the case, which again intensifies the outward focus. I love that too, because it, coupled with what you said earlier about, you know, the excitement, the new converts, you put all that together and people are saying, you know what? I, I really believe like this is worthy of me serving, worthy of my gifts, worthy of my time because I'm seeing people come to faith. I'm watching. I'm part of this exciting movement. And what excites me about all these statistics, putting them together, uh, is that you've, you've literally, when things are intentionally focused on mission, you mentioned intentionality being one of the reasons why, um, as we intentionally focus on mission, it, it's funny how health kind of falls in place here. And, and that's, that's what these figures seem to be, de uh, demonstrating. Um, I want to ask you, uh, Warren, can I call you Warren or should I be calling Please. you Dr. Bird? <laughs> Only here's the here's the secret. Only my father-in-law has to call me Dr. Bird, and he doesn't know <laughs> anyone does differently. That's so great. Warren is just great. All right, all right. I feel I can call you Warren. You're very personable, so I I apologize for that earlier. Uh, that's great. Let's go for it. You you can always tell if I ask that question, that's a big sign of respect for my guests. But here here's a question I, I have. Um, and it also you can't see us, but he sees a couple of gray hairs on my face as well. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. Like, I love these statistics. And, and so I don't want to ask a searching penetrate. I want to hear more of these. So can you, can you hit me with some more? And yeah. I know you guys oh. have two downloadables. So if you want, we can shift gears to the other one if you want. 
Well, I've actually been pulling from both of them, okay, both of them at leadnet.org slash portable. Uh, let me tell you, okay, we talked about new converts and we talked about uh, lay people being involved. Let's talk about training a future church planter or campus pastor. Here's a, here's a number, two and a half times. That's how much more likely a multi-site campus or new church is to have trained a future campus pastor or church planter than did a single site or older church. So all that to say, these young upstarts are not just being Lone Ranger leadership, but they get the idea from day one that I can take in a ministry resident. That's one of the most buzz terms. And by the way, if you want to learn more about that, go to leadnet.org slash intern. We did a study on churches with hopping internships, what makes them thrive and all. But but basically, churches are not only reaching people for Christ, involving their lay people, but they've got a pathway mm. and an intentionality about training and raising up other church planners. And one of my predictions is, the more a, a church planner has a background of having been on the front lines in a church, like I graduated from seminary and went straight into church planning. I was not part of a church plant before that. Well, I was when I was a kid, but, you know, that was a whole different context. Uh, I think I would have done so much better had I been part of a church, especially one that says, "Hey, we'll take you under wing. We want to train you. Mm. Uh, we want to we want to stretch you. We want to give you lots of responsibilities. And then at a certain point, we will send you out and bless you. And we'll do. We might even do more than just say, "Be warm, be fed, and come tell us about it in a year." There's a there's a partnership that happens that just helps ensure the success of the new church or plant. Wow, that's amazing. So I'm encouraged by the fact that the um we're seeing a younger trend and you know you've you've got on here that pastors are tending towards multiplication um what are some of the 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 factors why do you think that that church planters or pastors are moving more towards multiplication um let me offer two one is the movement of exponential led by Dave Ferguson and uh, I I've been involved in that our my, the latest book I co-authored was Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird called Hero Maker which has been the theme book oh, for yeah. the 2018 uh, and and the their motive and passion is they call it five levels so uh, d- declining is level 1 plateau is level 2 growing is level 3 Reproducing, which means you're planting one more thing, is level four. And then multiplying is where it's multiple generations planting. Mm-hmm. And they're, they've done the research, and I helped a bit with it. And Lifeway, uh, a Southern Baptist, uh, Ed Stetzer at the time did it uh, to, to verify that what I said at the top of this broadcast, that even if we all grow, that's not going to reach the, the nation, much less the world. And so we need to move the needle. We need to redefine the goalpost and say, no, growing alone is not going to do the job. We've got to figure out how to multiply. And so people are getting that and saying, okay, then what does that mean for me? Second, I think millennials in particular, the younger generation, gets the idea of kingdom-mindedness 
better than any generation that's out mm-hmm. there right now. Too many yeah. of us, is, it's like, okay, how's this going to grow my church? Well, okay, that's that's a helpful question. But, but it, an even better question is, what is this going to do to impact the kingdom of God and what God is trying to do all over? And how can we be part of that? Mm, that's good. You know, one of the things that you have on here is launch size advice. Now, I've never, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen this before. This but, is really but I cool. bet you've asked different people and said, "What size do we need to I've, be?" And I've been asked, and I, I've come up blank. So I'm really, you know, I, I've never had okay, a metric. Let me, let me for unpack this. that table. Yes, Heck you've yeah. got a metric. Again, it's leaddebt.org/slash/portable. Download the things, and you got the chart. So basically, we found two things. One, it's it's a moving answer. It's relative to what size you are, uh, in that if you're a larger size, you're going to recommend a larger size. If you're a smaller size in how you launch, you're going to recommend a smaller size. But no matter who you are, the second factor, you're going to recommend a little bit bigger than what you did. <laughs> right. So if you were a church plant of 100 or a campus launch of 100, you're going to say, well, it should be, you know, maybe 100. 40 or 150. Um, now, do you have to follow these? No, but this is the wisdom from people who have recently done it and what they've said. Now, is it better for them to have started not at the optimal size and you know done all they could for Jesus? Absolutely, rather than, than, uh, than waiting. But this is what the practitioners told us. I love it. So, like, uh, I won't give all of the the answers away, but it says, you know, if you're under 100, wait till you're 160 before you plant. It's actually 162. Like, there's there's some fine detail analysis going on here. But but what I love about this is, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I have not always done this right. So, you and I talked, I'm a multiplier and a sequential planner. So, I tend to plant and move on. Well, as I'm multiplying churches, if I'm there staying, I think I've been guilty of going too rapid at times to the expense of the health of the sending church. And I, I remember that my philosophy was always, well, um, we, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to bare bones again at the sending church. And then what will happen is, as we go back to bare bones, we'll, um, we'll be forced back into that part of reliance and dependence on the Holy Spirit. And that can always be a good thing. And we'll renew and redouble our efforts for, for mission to reach people. And yes, all of that is true. However, what I, and you know, I relate to Paul. You know how you can track Paul's learning on his journeys? What's really been helpful to me is see that Paul grew. Over the course of his ministry, I would definitely say that I would do it differently. So this, this metric for me is helpful because as I look at planting, I would do it differently. I wouldn't have launched so many out so quickly. Um, because what we found was the sending church was not in a position to provide the support at whether it was emotional. We went back down to a skeleton crew at the sending church. We didn't have time to look after our churches that we planted out. I mean, for that factor alone, and these are the things, unfortunately, you only learn by doing it the wrong way. Or maybe, you know, like you said, we did all we could. We went rapid. But I kind of think, I think Paul might have started out wanting to go rapid when he started, and then he starts tweaking it 
in his ministry that maybe I want to, you know, Galatians happened on my first missionary journey. Maybe I need to start recruiting guys and launching safer. So this is super helpful. And I noticed that you not only have ones for church plants, but even multi-sites. Yeah. So Peyton, let me, let me throw out what my biggest spiritual learning in the last couple of years is. It's reflected in Hero Maker, but it would be my advice to a church when they say, you know, how much wind can we take out of our sails in, in launching another campus? And it's, it's really what you alluded to in your commentary. Enough wind, leave enough wind that you can stay in relationship and help ongoingly the other church. So, so here's, here's my analogy. I don't, I have recently concluded that I have not made a disciple until that person is making a disciple. And I take that from Matthew 28, from 2 Timothy 2 2, and all. And, and I, by analogy, I have not made an apprentice until I have helped that person begin to make their own apprentice. And now I want to apply it to church plants or campuses. I have not really birthed successfully a church or campus until I can help, until that new entity is at the point of working towards planting, not just theoretically, right. but but is in motion towards starting another. And if if I give away everything I've got such that I'm so focused on rebuilding myself as if I'm the church plant as well, then I can't help you mm. as, as, if you will, the spiritual child to grow and mature to the point that you can reproduce as well. And, and maybe human children is not nearly as good an analogy as mice or something that, you know, can, can multiply quickly, but needs that initial, uh, nurturing. Yeah. Amen. I agree with that big time. Well, hey, uh, we're running out of time, but I want to first off, thank you, uh, for being able to come on and chat to us about what you're doing. Um, again, guys, it's leadnet.org forward slash portable. Make sure you get these. These are fascinating. Um, and they're free. And they're free, which is a church planner's favorite number. <laughs> so this is wonderful. And, uh, of course it's, it's, there's some great stuff on here as well. Um, portable, uh, church has four myths, uh, church planning myths about portable churches that are fantastic on there as well. Um, but this is good, solid stuff. And of course it's from Warren Bird. Warren, I can't, I can't believe that when you asked me prior to this call and I said, Oh, hero maker, I gotta say hero maker. Um, I, uh, I'm slightly, slightly charismatic. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. Let's put it that way. But you could <laughs> sense, you could sense the presence of God in a big way. Like the hero maker message, you, you can just really feel the heart of God in that whole message. And it is such an important shift. So on a personal note, thank you for that because you're right. I've a hero maker is the one right now. I've got a hero maker backpack sitting right out of, out of camera shot here. But, uh, thank you for your work on that as well. That's been a huge deal. Well, Dave Ferguson is, uh, leads, or I should say co-leads because it's a team and you wrote a book on team leadership in church plants. Uh, one of my favorite churches 
uh, in the United States. And I just think anything Dave Ferguson says, it, it's been an honor for me to be part of. But but we agree that of all the books he's written, Hero Maker is his best in terms of, of being highly practical to, to leaders to help them move the needle together and accomplish God's mandates and call and mission. Uh, for his church. Amen. Well, hey, Warren, uh, the question we ask at the very end is the same for everyone, but it has moving parts, and we custom tune and fit this question to each of our guests. So here's the question. Since uh, you have written a book uh, with multiple uh, authors, I'm just going to randomly pick out of the air which ones uh, you've written with, and I think I'll land on Viral Churches, um, you have co-authored a book with Ed Stetzer. And if you and Ed Stetzer were to get in a physical fistfight, who would win? Uh, Ed, because uh, he's the lead author. And uh, <laughs> I, I defer to him. But, you know, it was truly a collaborative thing. He and I are both, you know, somewhat capable writers. And we ripped each other apart going back and forth. No, 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 that should go for it. No, we, gotta, we needed this. <laughs> And, and uh, we actually had to kind of come to peace with each other after, after a couple of days at sessions and say, oh, okay, good to know. Uh, yeah. are, are we okay <laughs> with yeah. each other? Uh, because, because we really both put our hearts into that book. And the subtitle, in case you wonder, Viral Churches, oh no, is that like viral pneumonia? And all? No, it's like a video that goes viral or anything else. It's subtitled, How Church Planters Become Movement Makers. Right. And and it was the seeds of what became Hero Maker and uh, many other ideas out there. So, Well, you have been connected with what I think are some of the most significant books that are a part of changing the conversation, like Viral Churches, like God Dreams, which if you guys don't know, Church Unique was Will's first book. Um, and then Warren uh, helped him fill in God Dreams, which is kind of the center part of the vision frame and uh, a amazing game-changing book on vision. Um, but yeah, I mean, Warren, thanks. And it's been a real honor to have you on here. Can I throw out one more because yes, of who please. the audience is? Yeah. It's called Better Together and it's about mergers. And I want people to know that one out of three multi-site campuses, more than one out of three, comes by way of a merger. And this can be approached either way by the we call it the lead church and the joining church. And more often it is the joining church, but the lead church can cultivate that. And in a, and in a very Christ-like way, mm. uh, lead into a partnership where it's a win for both. That's huge. Guys, uh, many of you, and I know this because you contact me and say, hey, I'm thinking of merging. What do I do? Um, that's a big conversation, and it does require a book. Definitely check that out. Can you repeat the title of that book again? Better Together by Jim Tomberlin and Warren Bird. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us again today for Hardcore Church Planning. My guest has been Warren Bird, author of multiple books, including Hero Maker, God Dreams, and Viral Churches. You can check out these two free downloads at leadnet.org forward slash portable. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home.
Hey, want to give a big shout out to our number one sponsor. They've been with us for years. I know them personally. Uh, the founder is Josh Henry. He is an ex-church planner. If you wonder why we have so much fun with SimplifyChurch.com's uh, ads, it's simply because we love these guys. We believe in them. I have used them. Gosh, as a church planner, I found them and have been using them for donkey's years. And if you don't know, that means a really long time. So head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. They're going to help you do all the stuff that you need to do, but nobody taught you to do in seminary. Things like bookkeeping, uh, payroll, um, you know, uh, dealing with the IRS, making sure you're compliant, sending end of year uh, donor receipts. If you haven't done that yet, tis the season. Uh, you have until the end of January to get those out to your people. So make sure you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and let them simplify your church. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.